0: Hello, and welcome to MSPhD, More School Pursuing Higher Degrees. It's a podcast where we talk to current or former graduate students and learn from each other's experiences. I'm your host, Sarah Roscoe, currently a third year PhD student in computer science at the University of Nebraska Lincoln. In episode one, I have a conversation with Molly Lee. She's a recent graduate of the University of Nebraska Lincoln. And she's currently working in industry at Accenture. Molly was actually one of the first people I became friends with in grad school. We were in a few of the same classes my very first semester, and I was put in the same office as her, so we got to know each other pretty well, and I thought it was fitting to let her be the very first person interviewed for this podcast. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Molly Lee. All right, Hi, Molly. How are you? Hi, Sarah.
1: I'm doing well. How are
0: you? Pretty good. Um, all right. Um, so do you want to introduce yourself and just, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit, bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, do you want to know about um, anything in particular, like you, for my grad school experience or just about me in general?
0: Um, um, oh, gosh. Um, you can <laughs> I'm just not telling you my this. whole life story <laughs> <or what? laughs> um, um, tell me about who you are in relation to grad school.
1: Okay, perfect. so, yeah, when I first was looking at grad school, so I was an undergraduate math and physics major at Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota, and I was... You know, I was thinking about majoring in math or physics for grad school, but I was like, not sure because there's not really, like, I know there's implications for that and applications in industry, but I wasn't really looking to stay in school and get my PhD anymore. Freshman year, though, I was just like, I'm going to get my PhD in mathematics. And I was just like, senior year, I was like, no, I don't know if I want a PhD. I'm more like aiming for that (laughs) master's degree to start and then we'll see. And I ended up, uh, my advisor in the mathematics department, her name was Seiji. She was super sweet. Um, She was a nice, nice lady. She was up there in years. I think she retired um, shortly after I graduated, actually. But she advised me to take a computer science class because I had free space in my schedule. And I just took that one computer science class, me and another student in the class were like, apparently the top students, because the professor asked us to work together on the final project and help out someone else who was struggling in the class. So that was kind of what got me more intrigued in the computer science. I was like, hey, I'm doing well, this is fun. And I think I might want to pursue computer science. So I talked talked to the counselor at like career counselor at my college and he was just like, well, we can throw computer science in there in the search results and see what schools are uh, taking computer science grads. So I ended up actually talking to my computer science professor as well. And I told him I was thinking about pursuing grad school in computer science. And I took one databases classes from him as well as like the intro to computer science class where I learned Java programming. Um, so I learned Java and SQL programming <laughs> languages with him. And he was just like. He advised me to go to uh, look at UNL, University of Nebraska Lincoln. Um, and at the University of Nebraska Lincoln, I, um, yeah, I essentially was invited to this grad school visit days. So Larita Lang, she's amazing. She sent yes. me an email because Dr. Kamel, my professor, had emailed Larita with my name. I was like, hey, you should invite her to do a visit. So Larita invited me, I met her my mom, uh, drive me down to visit UNL. Um, and I just really like the town. I got to see, stay at the, what was it? Um, before it was the graduate, it, there was another hotel there. I think it was holiday inn and uh, oh, express huh. suites or something. Yeah. It's that. the graduate now, but it wasn't before. Yeah. I remember uh, it, I stayed,
0: I stayed. Oh, sorry.
1: No, you can continue. I stayed at interrupt. the, I
0: stayed at the graduate and it's just like the most rad hotel ever like the word i would use to describe that place is rad it is so cool
1: i saw it after the renovation and now it's just like they turned it into like what was it like a sort of memorial like the who's the guy they named the restaurant after i don't know carson jimmy carson or something maybe maybe um, but he was some some famous guy in Nebraska. I don't remember exactly why they named a few other things after him too, like the Carson Center for uh, oh yeah of arts um, where they have a lot of really cool stuff in there too at University of Nebraska Lincoln. But that's fairly new, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Carson like, Center and that program for undergrads.
0: Yeah, I've heard of the building. I just didn't. I never knew who it was named for. I mean, obviously, it's uh, jo- Johnny Carson.
1: Johnny Carson, Johnny that's Carson? who it is. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I'm sorry, Johnny Carson. <laughs> I don't mean to <laughs> call you Jimmy, but I was close.
0: We don't know who you are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd like to learn more about him so I can actually speak on that. But um, what they did is they turned. They had like a video game thing and like all the sweets. At least like. a an arcade video game like set up just like one single game and they got two of them downstairs they got the frog the frogger game oh yeah and then they got something else i can't remember what the other one is but the frogger that was the first time i played frogger actually was when i went to go visit the graduate with my parents and my um now fiance then
0: boyfriend oh that's so cool
1: yeah but going on to my rest of my story i just yeah i visited university of nebraska lincoln that was my first time being in lincoln first time being in nebraska even and i just like i was like i need to go here same as my undergrad school and i was in concordia a first time i was like i need to go here it's just like this gut feeling Mm -hmm. and then i tried so hard to get in to university of nebraska lincoln but actually the first time i applied for the master's in computer science they had told me like, oh yeah, we can do this fast track application. So I applied for that. I got into the fast track application. So they're like, oh yeah, you can just apply and we'll let you know right away if you're in or not. And then I was like, I got fast track rejected from UNL <laughs> because they're just like, well, I'm sorry, but I regret to inform you that you are not able to attend grad school like at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln for the computer science program at this time. And I was like, "What?" No. <laughs> and then I found out that my uh, my boyfriend at the time um, he was he's my fiance now and he is just like, "Well, I didn't get my results yet because they didn't approve me for the fast track program." But then later he finds out that he got accepted to University mm-hmm. of Nebraska Lincoln and I didn't. And I was just like, "What? You got in, and I didn't." I was so sad. But I. Um, took some proactive steps I reached out to the appropriate person I think it was uh, I can't remember his last name but one of the professors started with an R Uh, I think it was before your time Sarah he might have left probably um, before you came to UNL but it was just um, I reached out to him he was a graduate committee chair um, like for the for letting people into the grad program yeah and actually, I think I reached out to Larita and she told me to reach out to him, because Larita was my first point of contact, and she's mm-hmm. like, well, you can reach out to this person and find out why they rejected you, and I was like, okay, I'll email him, and I emailed him, and he told me um, that the reason they didn't let me in, one of one of one, the reasons was that one of my reference letters was a little weak, and I was like, who is that? And he's like, well, Dr. Camille. And I was like, Dr. Kamel's the one who told me to go to Lincoln. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Apparently, he didn't know me as well as the professor from the math department who also recommended me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that was just like, okay, I guess I'll find another person to reference, to reference me. And he's like, well, if you want to apply again, what you can do is you can take classes as a post-baccalaureate student. Because the other reason I didn't get in was because I didn't have all the prerequisites needed for mm-hmm. the program um because i'd only taken two computer science classes in my whole undergraduate career like i took the one databases class i took the one intro to java class and that was it and they're like you don't have all the skills needed to succeed in the master's program you need to take all these prerequisite classes because if you don't have the prerequisite classes we can't let you in it's a rule mm-hmm. and i was like okay then how do i take those classes and he's like well what you can do is you can take them at your like university if they like post-baccalaureate and stuff. And I was like, well, my college was a private college. So it was just like for undergrads, they don't have a grad program. Like, well, you can apply for a uh, post-baccalaureate at University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And I was like, oh, okay. And then uh, I was like, I didn't know what the post-baccalaureate pro- program was, but I talked to my boyfriend. He ta- He was like, well, there's this one guy, I think his name was John Paul Orr. He was in the Nimbus lab. And he graduated with his PhD recently, actually. But before then, he was one of the people we met on our grad school visit. Um, and then he had told Casey, apparently, that that he did was a essentially a grad student at large when he joined UNL. And then he applied for the computer science program. And then Casey was explaining explaining to me how that is now, um, the grad student at large is essentially the post-baccalaureate program. So if that makes sense. Um, So if any of you out there listening to this podcast want to uh, (laughs) go to grad school, but you don't have the prerequisite courses, you can always apply to be like a post-baccalaureate student and essentially a grad student at large before you get into the specific program that you wanna get into. And that's what I ended up doing.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting how like, I feel like if I had been in that situation and they had rejected me, I would just be like, oh no, okay, fine, I'll go do something else. But like you stuck with it and you and you like emailed the one person that you knew and you're like, I want to go here, what do I do?
1: Yeah, it was really weird because I applied to like, what was it, two or three grad programs. The third one doesn't really count because I wasn't really interested in it anyways. It was like Colorado School of Mines or something, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like computer science. I was like, "Eh, not really that interested. But um, the second one I applied to was, besides UNL, was NDSU, North Dakota State University. It's in Fargo, North Dakota, and I have family in Fargo, North Dakota. I stayed with um, during the summer while I was working at like Concordia College in Moorhead, where I went to undergrad school. And my whole family, like everyone was telling me, like, okay, you got into the NDSU for grad school. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you just go there? And my professors that I talked to at Concordia, like I even Skyped one of them because I had emailed him. He's like, why don't you just Skype me and we'll talk about it. So he gave me a Skype name. He was a chemistry professor actually that I took general chemistry with and I later volunteered with him for the science outreach, I um, can't remember what's called, but it was Concordia like science outreach through with Dr. Wiley. And he's Dr. Wiley, Graham Wiley, he's just amazing professor. He is I was a little intimidated at him at first when I took his Gen Chem lab, but he he's just like really wants everyone to succeed and do well in science. And he mm-hmm. likes to encourage little children to do science, even though he says he doesn't like little children. I think he does like. Little <laughs>
0: we went to put like on this... this put on this like like grumpy hard exterior it's like no if any of you have seen despicable me he is like
1: the guy from despicable me <laughs> <laughs> he's just like him like i'm, I'm sorry uh-huh. dr wiley but it's it's true <laughs>
0: <laughs> he sounds super fun
1: he is super fun he's just like tries to put on this like scary face and intimidate people but he's just like He loves uh, science and he loves to share that with everyone and just encourage more, uh, more people, especially like young women to be in science, like with the Mm -hmm. STEM movement. But of course, like, it's not like just women, like anyone can do science. And that's kind of what he likes to do with the science outreach.
0: Yeah. We went to this. Sorry, I'm I'm going off on a tangent. What do you want to ask? Um, So what did he say when you Skyped him?
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry. Back to that point. When he when I Skyped him, he was just like, why don't you just go to NDSU? And I was like, I don't want to. Hmm. And I was being stubborn about it. And he's like, okay, well, NDSU would be fine. Like you can go to NDSU and maybe transfer to UNL. I don't know if he actually said that. But he gave me some advice. And he was really pushing me to at least go to UN- NDSU. And I was like, but I emailed this person and they said I could do past- post laureate at UNL. And he's like, well, if that's what you really want but I really think you should go to NDSU and everyone Mm. else that I talked to except Casey my boyfriend was like if you want to go to UNL go to UNL don't listen to everyone else like do what you want and he was the only one encouraging me to like follow my heart and do what I want with UNL and everyone else was just like NDSU NDSU and I'm like no yeah. then the pivotal moment was the dream that I had um literally oh, really, I y- was, yes <laughs> yes I've told Sarah about this before I love this story it's so amazing so I have this guitar um I bought it from a friend in my last semester at undergrad uh who happened to be um in the same scenario as me we both started at the same time in like fall 2012 and then both ended up graduating like a semester late in December 2016 rather than May 2016 with their our class. But it was fine. I was like, I didn't even know he was still at the college. And I just found out he was selling a guitar. And he was like, wait, are you still at Concordia? Like, are you still taking classes? He's like, oh, yeah, I just got to finish up like a class or two. And then I'll graduate in December. Like, Me too. But going back to the story about the guitar, though, I, um, I had bought this guitar. And then I had it. And I was just at home with my parents, like working at the deli no less the semester after college after I graduated with a math and physics degree I'm just working at this deli as a part-time job So I'm like well I gotta have some sort of work but I can't have a full-time job because I'm gonna be going to grad school I even applied to a full-time job and then they're like asking me about my future plans and I'm like well I want to go to grad school and they're like then why do you apply to this job <laughs> and then they kicked me out of the interview oh, I'm no. like, sorry I was just looking for something part time. They're like, yeah, we'll see what we can do. I didn't get a call back. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, whatever, I'll just work at the deli. It's fine because the deli hired me. Uh, but long story short, the guitar dream, it was just like, I had this dream as me and my guitar, and I was just driving, and I somehow ended up in like, so my hometown is Minnesota, like 10 miles from Canada. I somehow ended up in Bemidji or something at a conference center. And one of my math teachers from high school was there, and he was just like, What are you doing here, Molly? And I'm like, Well, I was decided to take, take my guitar and go to Lincoln, Nebraska. I was out for, like, I was gonna go drive to Lincoln. And then, and then someone, it was really weird, because, like, then I was like, Someone found my guitar and was like, Hey, ma'am, is this your guitar? And I was like, Oh, yeah, that's my guitar. Sorry, I gotta go. And then I was just, then I woke up. And then I told my parents about that dream later that night. And my mom's just like, well, Molly, it sounds like you really want to go to Lincoln, don't you? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I really do. I think that was the pivotal moment for me in my decision. But yeah, so I went to Lincoln. I moved in May 2017, uh, started the post-baccalaureate program. My boyfriend came to visit me a couple times. He'd walk me to class and stuff. Yeah, it ended up being a great experience because what I did is I reapplied for like the spring 2018 semester start instead of the fall 2017 start mm-hmm. and then um, the summer and fall of 2017 I just took post-baccalaureate classes to get my prerequisites out of the way and it all worked out so I graduated in August 2020 with my master's in computer science and here we are now like interviewing for the podcast with Sarah and super exciting
0: yeah yeah oh, that well,
1: that is a long story but I hope you enjoy it
0: no, it's, it's really interesting. It just like, I, I really admire how you, uh, how you like stuck to your idea of like, mm-hmm. no, I want to go to Lincoln. I want to go to Lincoln. Uh, cause I, I went to some conference, um, actually sponsored the math conference. Yeah. The, the math conference conference for undergrads Uh, and one of the things that they said there was when you're choosing grad schools you have to take into account not only like where you get accepted but also if you like the city and if you like like the professors and the just the whole environment Mm -hmm. is so important to your success in grad school. That's not just, like, does it seem like a good fit on paper?
1: Yeah, for sure. And, like, choosing college and choosing grad school for me was just, like, I fell in love with the campus and the people and everything, like, the atmosphere. It's just, yeah. I don't know. You got to like the people that you're dealing with. And especially for grad school, the tricky thing about grad school is you have to find an advisor, like, mm-hmm. right away that you can work with, um, hopefully for the rest of your master's or PhD, but if you need to change advisors, it's okay. But like, I don't know, my boyfriend had a terrible situation um, with like finding an advisor that he just couldn't get along with any of the advisors and they had so many disagreements. So it's just like, he is almost to the point where he wouldn't recommend grad school to anyone. I'm like, hold off a second, just because you had a bad experience with finding an advisor, doesn't mean that everyone's going to suffer through that, because for me, I I had one person that I really, really, really wanted to work with in the Nimbus Lab, Dr. Bradley, and he was like, and I met him that first day of grad school, um, like visit days, and he was like, "Hi, I'm Justin. I like to make things fly," and that, his first name's Justin. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, you go on a first name basis. Are you Dr. Bradley?" He's like, yes, I'm Dr. Bradley. You can call me Justin or Dr. Bradley or whatever. And he's like, um, I really wanted to work with him, but I didn't have the experience that he needed, I guess. And he's, he agreed to be my temporary advisor, but then he's like, you know, I really can't hire you as a research assistant or anything right now. So you're gonna have to find someone else to be <laughs> your advisor. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll go find someone else. And then. This other professor, I remembered him distinctly from grad school visit days, Dr. Piraban, and he ended up being my advisor for the rest of my master's. But he, um, the one thing that stood out to me about him was at the grad school visit days, he kept talking about like how um, he studied molecular communication. He kept talking about the implications and like how that could be beneficial to society. And like, what if we had like this? instead of the internet of things which people think about like you know cell phones and smart cars and everything like smart devices like i got alexa over there alexa i'm not talking to you so don't <laughs> say me. ignore me <laughs> <laughs> i'm not
0: sure about
1: that yeah she said sorry i'm not sure but i'm gonna mute her you're not part of this narrative
0: <laughs> <laughs> alexa just not get to join the but- podcast
1: no, I'm, well, she just did, but <laughs> I don't want her to. <laughs> anyway, um, so instead of the just having the internet of things, what if we had, like, the internet of bio-nano things? And the bio-nano things is, like, you think of, like, you've got, like, your smartwatch, um, which I might have mentioned that already, but your smartwatch is, like, tracking the steps that you take and other things in your body. What if we had, like, smart glasses, smart shoes, smart, like, like smart pills that you could take that would just like I don't know figure out like how to how you can be healthier and Mm -hmm. he said it in a more elegant way but that's essentially the research that he does and in part and the other part is like like that's just like in the human body there's implications for molecular communication and that there's also like so many other implications for like molecular communication that people are just like what's molecular communication like I have no idea what you're talking about and then you're gonna have that with any research topic you do for grad school yeah like I actually because my master's thesis yeah you what you gotta do is like for grad school you have a circle right and then it's like you want to expand the whole circle but in order to do that you gotta make a point in the edge of the circle like poke like poke a hole in it or something mm-hmm. like at the edge and that's what you're gonna be doing for your, your math series or your PhD. You're not gonna be able to widen the whole circle. That's what the community does, like together. They widen the whole circle by making tiny little points in the edges of it. <laughs> it's a nice little analogy
0: there. Yeah, I really like that. Um, so you, So you switched from thinking that you wanted to work with robots. And like well, the Nbyte
1: lab or, sorry, it's the new, Nimbus lab is Jones.
0: yeah, yeah, that I so, wanted to work
1: with. That's what Dr. Bradley does. Um, yeah. So you human, switched from drones and human
0: to like sorry. bio stuff.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: So did was that like maybe a little bit disappointing or did you just find out that like the not at all the molecular communication stuff was that more interesting to you?
1: Um, I don't know like obviously drones are cool and everything I would love to play with drones more but I did actually get to do that um, for an outreach event with high schoolers I got to play with drones and teach high schoolers how to play with It's kind of fun but there were nimbus people there too like not just me mm-hmm. so that was fun experience but like other than playing with Jones, it's like I don't know how to program the drone really I kind of worked with a was it a Roomba idea with a couple people from the Nimbus lab for one of my classes but other than that I don't know much about robot syndromes although it's an interesting topic for sure I'd love to learn more about it but like molecular communication I was just like okay this is interesting I need to set up an appointment with Dr. Piravan so that I can figure out what it is that I can contribute to that and I had the hardest time getting a hold of him, but I was in my first semester, so it was fine because I had a teaching assistant for the, like my first two semesters, and I was like, oh, that's fine. I don't need to have a research assistant right away. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, but, so it was just like a better fit for you.
1: Um, yeah, so what ended up happening, when I finally uh, was able to schedule a meeting with him, he is just so hard to get a hold of. because He's so busy all the time, like running back and forth between meetings and emails like his inbox is full all the time so he didn't see my email is what happened but um but I emailed him again I knocked on his door I caught him like as he was running to class or back from class and then I talked to him and he was like oh well set up an appointment email me I was like I did email you he's like oh I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) so I emailed him again and I uh made sure that he got my email and I knocked on his door and kind of have to pester him a little bit but I didn't mean to be rude about it. I was just like, I need yeah. to talk to you because I want to work with you. And he's like, okay, well, let's sit down and have a meeting at this time on this day. So we had a meeting. Um, we were talking about what he does for molecular communication. He's like, well, what do you do for research? And I was like, well, I'm trying to figure that out still. he's like, well, do you have any research experience in the past? And I was like, well, I don't. Like, my undergraduate degree was math and physics. He's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> like, He's Italian, so he has some accent too from Italy, but it's kind of cool. But um, he's also um, talking about like, okay, what have you done in the past? And I did this research in quantum tunneling times. And he's like, oh, tell me more about that. Because that's very interesting. I told him about it. Um, would you like to hear about quantum tunneling, Sarah?
0: Um, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit. Yeah.
1: Okay, just a brief rundown. Like, this is really quick. So imagine you throw a ball at a wall. So you throw a ball at a wall. What's it going to do?
0: It's going to hit the wall and then it's going to fall down and bounce and then come back to me.
1: That's what you think, right? But what if I told you that you had a ball that was tiny enough where it could just go through the wall?
0: Oh, okay. okay. Right. Because, yeah, because there, the, there's <laughs> the thing that they say that like, like the atoms are just like space there's just like space between the particles and stuff so it just goes so small that it just goes right through
1: yeah but it's not we're not talking about atoms here we're talking about the particles that make up the atoms the quantum particles that are tinier like than atoms okay like you know what an atom is right yes atoms molecules make up like compounds and
0: mm-hmm.
1: like two hydrogens and an oxygen you get water <clears throat> but like we're talking about smaller than hydrogen smaller than oxygen the things that make up the hydrogen and the oxygen at the like subatomic level the quantum particles so okay
0: okay essentially so like the wall
1: yeah and then we what i studied is the double delta barrier so you got two walls and then you're seeing like how long does it take the particle to tunnel through one wall to the other wall or something
0: Okay, um,
1: it's very interesting uh, research, by the way. Um, it, I think the first thing I studied was like Schrodinger's equation because I didn't know anything about quantum. This was after freshman year of undergrad, and all I knew was basic physics. Then, mm-hmm. so the the instructor uh, who was leading the research, he hired me and another undergrad student who had just finished our freshman year, and we both applied to the STEP program, which was a program for undergrad students to do research after their freshman year. And I think the other student, his name was Eric, he got the STEP grant. I got the NASA space grant, Ooh. which is kind of cool. But like, we did the same exact thing. So really, I, I'm like equal to Eric in that, but I just got a different grant mm-hmm. for funding. But no, it's kind of cool though, um, the research. And Dr. Pirabhan, going back to my grad grad school example, Dr. Pirabhan's like, well, okay, that's interesting. Have you heard of quantum communication? And I was like, um, I might have, but not. I don't know a whole lot about it. And he's like, well, let's think about that. If you study quantum communication, you can compare that with my research in molecular communication. And I ended up writing my thesis on that. Yeah. So it it worked out pretty well for me. Yeah. It took a while to get the research done, but I mean gonna happen because I had classes like and I was trying to focus too much on the classes and not enough on the research and then I ended up taking a bit longer just to finish up the research once I finished my classes but it's okay that's just how grad school works sometimes
0: yeah 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 things take time it can be frustrating
1: too especially like when it's hard to get a hold of your advisor because he's so busy with other people and other things and conferences and meetings and classes and it's just like I know he wants to spend time with his uh grad students but he's just like okay guys I'm so busy I haven't been getting enough sleep (laughs) and like I'm trying to meet with you but I His like professors are humans too you gotta realize that they're not just like robots that like can do whatever you want them to do like you can't control them they're people we're all human right Mm -hmm.
0: yeah (laughs) so that's
1: one thing I learned yeah it's just like it's hard it can be hard to get a hold of your advisor especially if they're like a busy person but you just gotta like be a little more self-driven and that's one thing I struggled with in grad school was being self-driven because I like to receive guidance from my advisor and be like okay what should I do next and he's like, well, why don't you figure it out yourself? And I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I talked to my lab mates and then my lab mates would actually be really helpful. They'd be like, well, why don't you look into this? And I'm like, okay. And I talked to my advisor and he's like, why are you looking at this? And I was like, well, I talked to Tyler and Cardick and they tell me to do this. And he was like, oh, well maybe you can work with Tyler and Cardick on this but I really want you to do this other thing. And
0: it's hmm. just,
1: I don't know, um, that can be frustrating too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like trying to, <laughs> to make your space in research and figuring out what to do. Uh, yeah,
1: for sure. How do you do that, Sarah? How do I do that?
0: Um, so like, like, how do I figure out what topic I'm researching? Um, I don't know,
1: whatever you want to talk about.
0: Uh, I think I will do some reading. So like Uh, so my
1: research papers or
0: books um, mostly research papers so like my the the way that I started on the project I'm working on now is I what so I know that my advisor was working on this project years ago uh, Mm -hmm. and like this theoretical structure and So it's like, okay, I I might want to do something with that. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, So maybe I can like extend that a little bit. And then I was reading some papers uh, and I found, like, oh, here's a, a method of classification with, like within this, my topic of research. And so I was like, okay, so I have this like theoretical thing and I have this classification thing. And so I'm like, okay, let's try and put them together and see what comes out. Okay. Uh, and so that's what I've been working on this semester. And it it's really, it's really weird because it's very self-driven and like I'm coming up with all of these new definitions and algorithms and all that stuff. And so I feel like it makes me feel kind of vulnerable because I'm like, like, oh, what if my definitions are wrong? And like, what if I like make some mistake in this? But then I'm like, wait, I'm the one coming up with the definitions. Like as long as it's all pretty much self-contained, like I'm making the rules, which is kind of cool.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like for me it was always I was always scared to do things on my own and I'd always like seek approval from my advisor before doing anything and that's not exactly the best way to go about all the time.
0: Because when I'm always
1: like waiting for feedback from my advisor, I just never get anything done for research and I'm just like spending like wasting my time trying to read through papers and like not understanding what I'm supposed to be doing and then not trying to pave my own way forward, you know?
0: Hmm. Yeah, it kind of you have to kind of have the mindset of like the ask for forgiveness, not for permission, not that you're like (laughs) doing wrong things, but like, yeah, so like, like, uh, you have to kind of like take charge and go do the thing and then check it and be like, am I on the right track? And then your advisor can be like, like, yes, you are or like, these things are good but maybe not this part and so your advisor can kind of just like guide you as you go through that process
1: yeah no that makes sense and I think one of the things um like a lot of these things that I learned in grad school that I'm not taught in any class in particular it's just like self-taught things and like things mm-hmm. that I learned along the way are really applicable in my career now um yeah. now I work at Accenture um, and they're a technology consulting firm and just the work that I'm doing here I've learned so much from grad school like not even the like I don't remember everything I learned in every single class like all the details but like all these like people skills and like learning strategies
0: mm-hmm. like
1: how do I learn like I need to learn how I learn because right now I'm learning I'm relearning Java which I learned like back in 2017 for the first time not 2017 for the first time the first time I learned it was like 2015 2016 in undergrad but like I relearned java in 2017 after having a couple years off and then I relearned it now Mm -hmm. after having like four years off and it's just like you know this is great because I'm like figuring out how I learn best um and I've been learning my whole life you know I went to like normal grade school like high school and then college and then straight into grad school and I'm just now that I'm in industry, it's just a whole different field. But again, I'm still learning. I never yeah. stopped learning. And I love learning. Like, I'm a lifelong learner. So Yeah. I was like, can I just be a student for the rest of my life? I literally asked my mom that one time when I was in like, college. <laughs> and she was like, no, Molly. I mean, you could be a teacher. But I'm like, eh, I don't know. She's a teacher. So she's trying to persuade me. <laughs> <laughs> she teaches fifth grade, by the way.
0: I'd love to hear more about what, uh, like, what other sort of skills, that grad school has given you that you use mm-hmm. in industry. Right,
1: um, I know one thing I'm struggling with at work now is, like, time management, because I had, like, so many, like, like, right now I'm doing, watching videos on Pluralsight. I got access to the full Pluralsight library with my Project their work. Um, So this is a paid subscription that they just paid for it for me so that I could do the job that I need to do and learn the skills I need for my next project at work. Mm -hmm. And essentially, um, I had a long list of videos to watch to get through from Monday to Friday, like eight hours a day, I'm supposed to be watching these videos and be able to finish that and the hands on exercise like a programming exercise. And like this post assessment test and pre assessment at the beginning of the week, post assessment at the end of the week. And I just struggled, I think, last week because I spent forever like analyzing all the little details of the videos. And I was just like, you know, like I learned throughout the week just last week that um, I need to spend less time on the details, just learn the overall concepts. And that's, you know, like one thing I struggled with in college and grad school too is like every time the teacher would be presenting a lecture on something and I found it interesting I would write everything down and then I'd be like wait can you go back a slide I missed it and then eventually they stopped going back the slide because they wanted to get through all the content and all these students didn't have as many questions as I did mm-hmm. and some of my fellow students always thought I was like annoying because I asked too many questions and I was just like but I'm so intrigued I want to learn more and then I just spent so much time in the office hours and office hours are your friend, by the way, like in, in undergrad and in grad yep. school. Do not like skip out on office hours if you have questions. Like try to make it work so that you can ask the questions you need because office hours are literally there for the professors to just sit in their office and students to ask them questions. Yep. That's the one time where like if you're in their class, they tell you my office hours are from time X to time Y. Like if you have questions, you better be there. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's just like now at work, uh, I have uh, essentially office hours. It's like a daily status meeting um, of like, how far have you making it? How are you making it through the videos? Like, how are you doing? And do you have any questions? So, what I've done is I've just compiled like, I'm a really good note taker. I take detailed notes all the time on everything, like not just school, but like work stuff too. And now when I'm learning, Uh, Java and the Spring Framework for Java for my upcoming project at work, Um, it's just been really helpful for me to take detailed notes and like write down whenever I have a question and there's like, okay, this topic was a little fuzzy maybe when I went through the videos. Can you explain this more to me? And that's essentially like the office hours quote that we would go to. uh, It's just like the daily status meetings. That's our time to ask questions. So... It's essentially like, it reminds me of going back to like grad school and undergrad, just like going into the professor's office with questions. I, ha- I can do that now with work too.
0: Mm-hmm. Like if I have
1: a question, I can ask someone and they have time set aside for me to ask them, which is great.
0: Yeah, that, that's so interesting. Cause I think I kind of view going into industry as just like this whole different world, like
1: it's like, not. In I mean, my it's, mind, in like, no like nothing is the not. same,
0: but that's really interesting. <laughs> Cause it's like, like there's office hours and like, you still have to figure out how to learn <laughs> stuff on your own, which is like, yeah. Like in, in grad school, you have to learn your, your topic so that you know enough about it to push that, that uh, like discovery a little bit more
1: hmm For sure. Um, always learning, especially in industry, depending on what job you get, but like most jobs in industry, they have some sort of way to like work yourself up the ladder and like some some jobs I've heard, I don't know if my company does this or not, but some companies will like actually pay you to go get more education or like they'll let you take, like I know at my company, they have this site called My Learning that we use and essentially we go to the My Learning site and we take trainings and some of them are required actually, like required ethics and compliance trainings that everyone at the company has to do. There's also this thing called technology quotient or TQ. And it's great because with TQ, like the employees at my company, we all learn about all these different topics. Like there's six or seven, I think there's seven now, but I've um, passed six of them. And one of them's on cloud, one of them's on AI, and one of them's on blockchain, and these are just like all new, like so cool. up and coming technologies, and like everyone's using cloud and like blockchain and AI are like breaking technologies, breakthrough technologies, not breaking. <laughs> <You know laughs> what I mean, <laughs> it was just like uh, these. Like I just went to this like women in the cloud. Uh, Thing. um it's like a talk about how people are starting up this group for women in the cloud at my company and it's just like amazing like is it they had this fireside chat with what is it um one man and one woman in the company I can't remember like Jean and Pat I think were their names but they were just talking about how like their clients that they work with are just using cloud Mm -hmm. Um, for everything now and they're like everyone's been transforming to the cloud like because data used to be stored on like you know like back before computers it was on like paper and now like everyone's started moving to like digital copies and now like since the hard drives and stuff are filling up like everyone's just moving to cloud Mm -hmm. that's just where it's at (laughs) it's the future of technology and it's just like amazing how much like Even like the non-technical people. Like I'm a computer science major. I work in programming. Yeah, I should get certified in cloud. That would be a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. And you can get these certifications and the company will like pay me, not necessarily pay me, but they're gonna like pay for the test. Um, So like if I wanna take the like Azure cloud certification or the AWS cloud certification, uh, I can just ask for like permission from someone at my company. I'll be like, there's this particular person I think who um, I would need to ask, but I just need to ask somebody like, hey, can I get permission to sign up for this training and get it paid for so that I can and get this test paid for so that I can get certified in cloud. I mean, I have to do it on my own time. I think I don't get necessarily paid for the time unless I'm like on the bench and just doing unassigned time.
0: Yeah, but um, they're still like invested in in yeah. your continued learning and your continued success Mm -hmm. in, in the field.
1: For sure. Yeah. And like, even in industry too, like I, I was like, yeah, I studied quantum communication and molecular communication in grad school. Um, I studied quantum tunneling in undergrad. I wrote my physics senior thesis on that for undergrad. And then for mathematics, for my math major, I did like a presentation on Leibniz and his derivation of calculus with another Mm -hmm. student um so it's like Leibniz versus Newton like there's that whole debate but you know (laughs) (laughs) But no it's more like focusing on Leibniz and what he did for his derivation of calculus which is pretty neat actually Mm -hmm. but so I had those like for undergrad but grad school is like a one step above that and then industry like once you get into industry it's just like similar but different because you have to like focus on one particular thing like you can't like obviously you can try out a few different areas same with grad school and same with industry like you can try out a few different areas when you first get started but like I can't just like have 20 years of experience in cloud and then all of a sudden be like okay now I'm gonna study like just AI and forget about cloud like maybe <laughs> I can just combine them but I can't just like forget about my previous experience and do something completely different I mean mm-hmm. I don't know all the girls about it but like Again, you have to, like, poke at the edge of the circle and then expand the circle a little bit. But yeah, similar concept, like, build off your experience and what you know, and one of the important things is to get a job in industry and to, like, get started in industry is to network. Like, especially if any of you, like, grad students are looking to go in industry, even, I think, for academia, I don't know too much about, like, going for a professor to be a professor, I think Sarah might be on more of that side of things and
0: I think that that's where I'm headed but I have no advice at this time
1: (laughs) but if you're interested interested in even getting like an internship or a like just a job like part like you want to try out industry like have a summer internship or something like I think you can still do that and then be a professor later like Mm -hmm. I don't know. Whatever you want to do in life, like life's got all these twists and turns. Like, literally, have you played the game of life, Sarah?
0: Yes, I have. I love that game.
1: Have you played the game of life, twists and turns?
0: I have. It's a variation
1: off the game. Uh, But it's really cool because I got it for Christmas one year. I don't remember how old I was, but I think I was like in high school or college and I got that game and I was like so excited about it because instead of having money, you have credit cards, like fake credit cards, obviously. Mm-hmm. But like, that's how they do like the money system. And then you just insert it into this little thing in the center of the game board. And mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, I got money this round, or Oh, I lost money this round. And then you get to select. There's like four different uh, circles on the map. You can choose which one you want to go to first. You want to build up your family, build up your career, build up your education or build up your like adventure. Mm-hmm. Which adventure is like you go like skydiving and skiing and like, <laughs> all these exploring backpacking through europe which i don't know. Um that's cool too but like education, family and what's the other one? Uh career? Career. Yeah, those ones are pretty straightforward. Like career you get a promotion, family you get married, you get kids. And then uh education you like get a master's degree, you get a PhD and all that stuff. But yeah it's just so cool like how that game rather than the simple game of life you know where you just randomly get like married or kids or a phd or whatever and like and mm-hmm. the game of life, twists and turns you actually get more choices so it's more like realized
0: yeah know? yeah that's
1: so cool i just thought i'd throw that in there
0: yeah uh, i've got to check that out Um, Yeah, it's
1: a fun game. Uh, I'm sure you can find it wherever your games are sold.
0: (laughs) Not trying to advertise or anything. Hashtag not sponsored. (laughs) Not sponsored. Um, Okay, Um, I'm just going to ask one question before we finish up. Um,
1: (laughs) Sorry, I think my stomach's calling me to get food soon for your lunch.
0: (laughs) No, okay. Okay, Uh, so this is a quick question. No, go ahead. What brings you joy?
1: Oh, I, everything. Hours, nature, my guitar, grad yes, school, guitar. Me joy and sorrow, but like, you know, that's just life in general. Mm-hmm. Like running. I like to go for runs in my spare time. I just went for a run this morning and I was just like thinking, you know, people who love running, it's a love hate relationship because like you love running, but then if you're going all the time, you really get into it. It's like, I really want to go running today. <laughs> no yes I don't know this <laughs> is like same with like doing research too It's like do I really want to do research today some days like that and then yeah. it's like you know I have to so I can get finish my like degree and get to the goal that I originally wanted you know mm-hmm. same with running running in grad school you
0: know yep yeah oh that's good
1: everything um I don't know. I also love, like, I'm a Christian, so I love, like, just reading my Bible and studying that more. I've been getting more into the Old Testament lately with Elizabeth, um, another friend of Sarah's and mine.
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, The thing that's brought me joy recently is Uh uh, flowers and flowers and, like, the flowering trees. It's just, I, I feel like, this winter was just so difficult with everything going on and it's mm-hmm. just like have it be a little bit warmer and there's like this tangible sign of yes. like things are changing i'll just take endless pictures of flowers and trees all the time and i'll just send them to all of my friends
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Sarah's been sending me pictures of the purple trees, and they're amazing. Yes. I miss those purple trees at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, because I'm in Minnesota now for work, but mm-hmm. my uh, parents sent these flowers for Easter. I think I showed you, Sarah, already pictures oh, yeah. of yeah, but they have grown so much, and they're so pretty. I'll have to show you again sometime, but yeah, yeah, they're just so beautiful. I take pictures of them every single day, pretty much, because they just keep growing and changing and getting more beautiful every day except now they're starting to like get a little wilty which is sad but it's okay because there's some tulips i think that haven't even bloomed yet but like yeah. the daffodils were the first to bloom now they're the first to like kind of like get a little wilty but i've got other ones like skilla and crocus and just so beautiful there's like blue ones pink ones and purple ones and then the daffodils are yellow i don't know what the other ones are called like which ones are which but <laughs> I'm learning I need to go look them up on Google or something I just know like what types of flowers are in there and then they all look so beautiful
0: yeah flowers are just the best yes strongly agree um thank you so much for spending the the time to talk with me today Molly
1: Thank you, Sarah. It's been wonderful. I'd love to talk to you again if you're doing um, repeats on your podcast, or I don't know if you're doing that, or if you're just having a new person (laughs) each time, but I'd love to continue um, doing this if you would like. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Molly, for coming on the podcast. One thing I really admire about Molly's story is the theme of perseverance. She kept persevering when everyone told her to go to another grad school, but she wanted to go to UNL. She persevered when she initially got denied from UNL and then had to take some classes as a grad student at large. And then she persevered in the process of finding an advisor in her research topic. She kept reaching out until she made contact with the person who would be her advisor. I think that's a really good example for those of you listening who are maybe experiencing some setbacks in the application process or in the first few semesters of grad school. Molly's also a lifelong learner and it was just an honor to hear her story of how she navigated the process of grad school. So once again, thank you so much, Molly. I hope this conversation has been helpful for you who are listening. This podcast was produced and edited by Sarah Roscoe with a guest appearance by Molly Lee. The music at the beginning of the podcast and right now is called Funkorama by Kevin McCleod. You can find his work at incompetech.com. The music is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time for some additional conversation about more school pursuing higher degrees.